0: The following is a production of S.A.K. Digital Ventures.
1: Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass.
0: Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, Episode 5. This is a special Day After Christmas, Bears Post Game Edition. And what a Bears game it was. Just ended a couple of minutes ago. We're going to talk about that as our primary topic today. As we always do, I want to set the scene. We are at The Place Cigar Lounge, 5236. Main Street in Downers Grove, Illinois, I am smoking a Fuente short story right now it 's been a uh, been a long day with lots of football today at the place and if you like cigars and you like Chicago sports, you are absolutely. In the right place, and before we bring in Phil, I just want to remind you: please follow us on Twitter at Cigars and Sports. That is on that's a Twitter that's on Twitter at Cigars and Sports. So today we're going to talk a little Bears post game, maybe even more than a little. We're going to talk some COVID and sports. Maybe we'll get to a little Bulls. We got a couple of wild stories for you. Uh, but first of all, Phil, how you doing?
1: Phil's doing great today. Merry Christmas. Hope everybody had a great holiday. Doing great today. Of course, this Bear game was something special today. Thought they were going to fold it in for the season, but they came back and they actually went for a couple points at the end of that game. So kind of made my day. Also made my gambling day. Yeah, why don't we share share your
0: bets? Share your bets. What did you bet on today, Phil? And Of course, everyone was mocking you for actually putting one but not two separate bets on the Bears today. Maybe you can go through that real quick.
1: Well, I just thought I'd take a flyer today, and uh, the Bears in the money line, and I just thought maybe with the snow and the weather, Seattle didn't have much of a great running game this season, so I thought they'd be forced to do that. I almost hate my words on that, because their passing game certainly didn't hurt any in this weather, and then I actually took the Bears with the points, so double win.
0: Nice job. Got to be impressed. I guess maybe you should have made that a parlay. It would have gone better. But hey, you'll uh, you'll take it the way it was. Um, there is no way, as I said, that I was going to bet on the Bears for the rest of the year. And just from a gambling standpoint, funny thing was before the game today. And I'm not in any way saying that I'm some kind of genius because I did not bet on that particular game today. Although I only bet on one other game, and I did I did win. But the Bears could have won, as I said before the game, or could win. Any of these last three games. Obviously, they played Seattle today. Seattle showed that they are just absolutely horrendous because I don't exactly think the Bears played well. And we'll go over some of the some of the detail. You know, they, certainly they could beat the Giants who got blown out by Philly today, um, next week. And certainly they'd have an opportunity to beat Minnesota the last week of the year. So how weird would that be if somehow the Bears win their last three games... And they keep Matt Nagy. How would you feel about that, Phil?
1: Well, I don't think they're keeping Matt Nagy. I think each win keeps Matt Nagy's job to the next game. I kind of thought if they lost today, he might just lose his job on the flight home. But we'll see what the Bears do at the end of this season. Nothing will surprise me, no matter what direction they go in.
0: To hit a couple of highlights today, and I guess first of all, in terms of specific highlights, the end of that game, that last drive by Foles was impressive. Uh, You had mentioned that the Mooney catch, but then Jimmy Graham doing what he does, which by the way, what he usually does is not much, but the one thing that he does do is catch a uh, touchdown in the corner of the end zone. And let's just be honest, that Demir Bird two-point conversion at the end of the game is probably the best Bears catch of the entire year. And let's be fair and balanced, as we always are on Cigars and Sports Chicago. Pretty good move, Metnagy choosing to go for two instead of playing for overtime in that last play. I mean, certainly he could have played for overtime, and I'm not sure that anyone would have given him much crap. Hell of a job converting on the two-pointer there at the end of the game. It was Thoughts great. On that last drive.
1: Uh, I thought it was phenomenal. Like, the thing that surprised me the most is as this Bears season is gone, I thought for sure that there would be a uh, Bears-dumb penalty which they have been famous for in scoring drives this year. So I thought they would possibly get that touchdown. Play would be called back on a stupid holding penalty. And and as you saw, at the end of the game, they still pulled off one more stupid penalty. Thank God it didn't cost them.
0: Let's just be honest about that. I mean, they certainly had, they did lead in one category, I guess, other than the score, because we also were preparing for doing this today, assuming that they were going to lose um, right up until the end. But they did commit eight penalties to Seattle seven, so nothing great, obviously, including a couple personal fouls, a number of idiotic, Number of idiotic, uh, you know, uh, false starts, offsides, the usual Bears thing there, but, you know, they pulled it off in the end. A couple of stats from the game today. Foles was 24 for 35, 250 yards, one touchdown, no interception. So he was efficient. He managed the game, did a fine job. You know, Montgomery uh, had a actually quite a poor game, 45 yards on 21 attempts, 2.1 yards a carry, so definitely not great. Khalil Herbert had that. That one great touchdown run, that 20-yard touchdown run. From a receiving standpoint, Darnell Mooney had 57 yards on five catches. Actually, Montgomery had 61 yards on seven catches. Cole Komet had a decent game, four catches, 49 yards. Daz Newsome. The great six-round draft pick of Ryan Pace got his first NFL catch, one catch, 10 yards. Got to mention Daz. Anyone stand out for you today? And anything, obviously the last drive sort of neutralized it, but any thoughts on their play in the red zone today, Phil?
1: Well, the red zone play I, I thought was rather horrendous. I think up until that last drive, they probably had negative yards in the red zone. And you forgot there on that last drive, too, when I say leave it to the Bears to screw up a possible winning situation. They had a sack fumble. Fortunately, they recovered it. But like I said, you expect anything to happen for the Bears to self-destruct themselves. But the red zone play I thought was horrendous. It was fumbles. It was sacks. it It was just not good. I shouldn't say fumbles. I don't know if they fumbled in the red zone. But the sacks and the penalties were horrendous.
0: Well, another positive today, Robert Quinn had his 17th sack. He is half a sack away from the Bears' all-time record. Uh, Richard Dent had 17 and a half sacks in, uh, of course, 1985, the only year that the Bears ever have in their modern history that was a a positive one. In addition to that, and I don't know what T.J. Watt did today. In fact, I'm not sure if he played today, but he is now only a half a sack back from the league lead in sacks. And you know what? Robert Quinn goes out and throws down two or three more sacks in the rest of the year and gets 20 or God gets to 21 and approaches the all-time NFL record We may be looking at at Robert Quinn um, in the conversation for our NFL defensive player of the year and I'm not saying that he is, but the guy's had a hell of a season.
1: He's had a great season. I was going to mention that that he was only half a sack away from that he has he's looked tremendous you know when you think of all the players that are down on their defense for him to sneak, uh, sneakily come around. And have uh, I agree with you? He could possibly approach a, a defensive MVP season. Is phenomenal. He will he, he will not definitely not be the uh, player of the year, but he could he could creep up on being an, uh, a a uh, defensive MVP.
0: You know, looking on the other side of the ball, Russell Wilson, who we were you know hoping to have in Chicago in the off season, he was sixteen for twenty seven, um, one hundred eighty one yards, two touchdowns today. He did not have a great game. I don't know what's going on with that guy. But the Seahawks, they officially now stink. They are five and ten. They're going to have to burn that thing down. And the good news is, although we do have the same record as the uh, as Seattle at five and ten, at least we don't have the same record as the Jets four and eleven as we uh, as we thought that we might have. You know, a a couple things. We might as well also rip Matt Nagy for a couple things that he did do that I thought were uh, interestingly bad. First of all, starting Jermaine Afedi, you know, at right tackle today. You know, we got Larry Borum. The guy is healthy. The guy's ready to go. We need to see him for next year. But somehow, you know, he doesn't start him and he starts Jermaine Afedi. And if you saw... How bad that guy played today. We had, exclusive of that last drive, the Chicago Bears had some very, very, very bad offensive line play today. And, you know, looking at the number of sacks, actually, uh, they, they gave up a total of four sacks today, which is not good. And I don't know what the hell they're doing, starting a Fetty over Larry Borum. In addition to that, we did not see Thomas Graham Jr. hardly at all today. We saw Kendall Vildor. So, you know, no matter what it is, certainly, uh, you know, the Bears are going to try to lose the game, but they were able to snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat today.
1: Yeah, another thing I noticed, and I blame this on Nagy, is is offensive play calling. Every time the Bears had a decent first down, I'm talking 8, 10, 12-yard first down, every first down play after that was a one-yard run. They just kept running the ball on first down, one yard. It's like they're starting every series with only three downs. It just it just gets a little old.
0: Phil, I have a trivia question for you, Bears trivia question. Who was the Chicago Bears' backup quarterback today?
1: Didn't they grab some guy that was working in a tavern or something last week? I forget what it was, but he he came out of nowhere. I don't think
0: That is correct. (laughs) The guy's name is Ryan Willis. He went to the University of Kansas. Uh, He is 26 years old. He has never taken a snap in the NFL. He's played on a variety of practice squads. Um, As you mentioned, he actually brings in beer off the trucks in a local tavern. And today he wore number 19 and stood on the sideline with a headset and a jacket on and served as the backup quarterback while both Justin Fields was out with a bad ankle today and apparently Andy. Dalton took his 10 million with a groin pull. So for whatever reason, we had the great Ryan Willis, and I'm hoping that we don't uh, we don't see that guy. You know, pivoting away from the game for one second. Another thing I want to mention that I thought was just incredible this week was Roquan Smith. Who has been nothing but fantastic the entire year and had another really good game today? Did not make the Pro Bowl. How you can argue that that guy should not be one of the four best inside linebackers in the NFL? And as you know, I am one to rip the Bears, not necessarily defend them. I think is ridiculous. Uh, Jakeem Grant uh, did did make the Pro Bowl also as a kick returner, so he was great. Thoughts on Roquan and how he got robbed, not being uh, you know not being elected to the Pro Bowl. Well, it's a,
1: he's had a, he's actually for the team, they've had this year. He's definitely had a Pro Bowl season, in my opinion. I don't know what other players they got ahead of him. One of their four linebackers are going to be ahead of him, but he's definitely had that kind of season. I agree with you there.
0: So let's ask another organizational question, and I talked about this a little bit the other day on the solo version. So you would assume that The Bears are going to fire Matt Nagy, and there's the new rule in the NFL this year that if you tell your coach before the last two games of the season, which would be now because there are two more weeks, that he is not going to be retained for the following season, you are allowed to interview assistants from other teams. That's a new rule this year. And I'm not sure if it's a diversity rule or just to give more opportunity for guys or whatever the case may be. It would be my guess that the Bears probably have told Negi. maybe they haven't, what the hell do I know, um, that he's not returning. And it can't be him assuming that they actually have to notify him in writing that he's not returning, even if he finishes out the season. But let's just say that they took advantage of that and fired Matt Nagy in the morning which I'm not saying that they're going to do, and I think that, as you referenced before, had they lost today, they probably would have done that. But if they were hypothetically to get rid of him right now, how would you hire a new coach? Maybe you could tell me, who would hire the new coach? Would it be Ryan Pace? Would it be George McCaskey? I mean, who would even run the process?
1: Well, that's the the big question, because you'd be wondering if the people that hire for the Bears, that are going to hire the next coach might also be losing their jobs.
0: Phil, I know he's 70 years old. But I would take Pete Carroll. And I know that you always say, whenever I bring things like this, you always say, well, he's better than what we have now because right now we have the worst pieces of garbage ever or whatever. No, I actually would take Pete Carroll. He's won a Super Bowl. He won a national championship in college. He's made the playoffs eight of the last 10 years. He's a really good culture guy. I would probably take Pete Carroll in a second. And I got to be honest with you. I would take Pete Carroll as the head football guy with the general manager. Reporting to him, and then give him an opportunity to coach for one or maybe two more years, and then kick himself upstairs. So I don't know about you, but I would take Pete Carroll.
1: Well, he certainly is a player's coach. Uh, the players do like to play for him. When you watch him on the sidelines, he, he certainly always looks like he's all in. The difference between him and Nagy, he looks like he's all in. He also looks like he knows what he's doing. So I agree with you, moving him up into the office to maybe run operations and be the guy. That picks the next coach might not be a bad move because he might be looking for a job if uh, Seattle you know loses their next two games that's for sure
0: let's talk about. COVID and sports for a minute, and specifically in the NFL, and we'll uh, get to the Bears for a minute in a minute. And the Bears today had nine guys on the COVID list, Ryan Nall, Allen Robinson, Isaiah Coulter, Jesse James, Jesper Horstead, Akeem Hicks, Agunlier, Jalon Johnson, and Tashaun Gibson. So five starters. How are they going to deal with this COVID situation in the playoffs. How can you get, for example, to the NFC Championship game and then say, oh, well, uh, Tom Brady tested positive even though he feels fine and he's not going to be playing in the NFC Championship game? I mean, how the hell are they going to deal with this COVID situation in the postseason if they have the same protocols that they have now? Any thoughts on that?
1: Well, you you hit the nail right on the head. And it's going to be... You know, hypothetical, you're right. How would they handle that? If if an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady a day before a playoff game tests positive, I I don't know how they're going to do it. An interesting scenario happened today, and some people caught it. I caught it. I I think you saw it. It was interesting. There was a a post-game interview tonight with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Andrews, and they did an interview, and they stood probably six, eight feet apart as per – NFL COVID protocol, neither having a mask, which is why they had the eight foot difference. And while the cameras were still rolling, when the interview was over, they both took their headsets up and then went up and embraced each other in a nice close hug. <laughs> and I thought that was interesting with the COVID. So you wonder uh, you know, what they're thinking is or what message they're trying to get across there.
0: Well, I hate to say this and I may be sounding like a former president right now, and I can't believe that I'm saying this, but I think the best way to deal with it in the playoffs is, is just tell guys, if you have symptoms, then we will test you. If you don't, No testing in the playoffs. Stay away from everybody. Maybe you got to bubble guys in a hotel at least, you know, the entire postseason if that's what it takes. But I would not test guys because if a guy is asymptomatic and he tests positive, you know, and I'm not sure how much transfer there's going to be outside on the field during a game with an asymptomatic player. As far as I'm concerned, just don't test them unless they have symptoms. Let them play because you're going to have complete chaos. Not only are you going to have to explain to the fans that Tom Brady or whoever it may be is not playing in the NFC Championship game. How are you going to keep that player from freaking out about how unfair it is and how much it affects competitive balance? So I just think no testing.
1: I agree with you. I think they should just call it all off. Just Just call the testing off. These are highly trained healthy athletes Uh, i don't know i've got different views on this COVID, especially the latest strain that's out there that all the experts are saying it's fairly mild you know i don't know there's people that look at it different ways but i think what you just said makes a lot of sense just don't test play the games and move on
0: i look at this current strain this uh, uh, omnicrom or whatever the hell you call it, I look at this current strain as if you are vaccinated, it's a cold. And if it turns out that you have unvaccinated players and those players have chosen to be unvaccinated and you want to continue to test those guys on a daily basis, and if those guys have to stay out in the playoffs, then that's just something that they did to themselves and something they did to them to their teams and if they didn't want to get vaccinated fine Um, but i have no problem with those guys being held um, to a different standard but vaccinated guys i just say only test them if they have symptoms because it's a cold and it's going to screw things up and i don't think we have heard of one athlete In any league, baseball, basketball, football, or hockey, who has gotten seriously ill or died or anything like that, even in the previous Delta variant where you could get really sick. So I'm not trying to sound, this is not intending to sound political or whatever the case may be, but just don't test. Phil, I have one other Bears topic that I want to cover before we move on to a bizarre story of the week, number one and number two, I have a bonus for you this week. But last week on Christmas, you know, you get a little bored in the afternoon on Christmas. That's fair, right? Yeah, well, totally fair. Well, I studied the salary cap of every one of the 32 NFL teams. And by the way, if you would like to do that or anyone listening would like to do that, you can find a site that the NFL teams use called overthecap.com. It's got every piece of salary information that you could ever want or ever find. It's the site that the uh, NFL teams actually use. And if you look at the Bears 2022 salary cap, they will go into the year uh, with the 12th most cap space but in true bears in, in true bears form they actually have the fewest players under contract so while many teams have between 37 and 43 teams under contract next year although the bears have some space they're middle of the pack They have only 30 players actually under contract next year. So what does that really mean? What it means is that they're in very bad cap situation next year. Another interesting fact that I learned is Robert Quinn, although we just gave him kudos, the guy's having a great year, he will have the largest cap number. Of a non-quarterback of any player in the NFL in 2022 as a percentage of the Bears overall cap, making $18 million and taking up 9% of the overall Bears cap next year. And if you include both him and Khalil Mack together, that's 17% of the Bears entire cap next year on two players, um, both of them being outside linebackers. And, hey, both of them are good, but, you know, again, doesn't exactly sound like managing the cap particularly well.
1: Well, and it goes back to something I talked on one of our previous podcasts. You know, leave it to the Bears to load up on salaries on defense. Once again, I I'll, I'll say this for a long time coming. It's an offensive league now. And defenses are not going to win you a Super Bowl. Defenses will help you win a Super Bowl, but they're not going to win you a Super Bowl. And I agree with you. The Bears have put themselves in a pickle here by having so much money out. And it's a lot of money for two linebackers. Uh, It's definitely going to hurt them.
0: So one more bonus NFL topic before we move on to Cigars and Our Bizarre Story of the Week. And, Phil, I'm curious about what your thoughts are on this, too. You know, we're at the point in the season where I think we know who the good teams are, and I think we know who the bad teams are. And the bad teams certainly don't matter very much. And I'm curious as to what your thoughts are. I have now come to the conclusion, particularly after seeing today and seeing Tampa Bay just come back and, and, you know, wreak destruction against a bad team in Carolina, but, uh, you know, coming off that loss to the Saints last Monday you know they did a really good job today uh, but to me good teams in the NFC are Tampa Bay and Green Bay, and as far as I'm concerned, Green Bay, although they have something to prove in the postseason because Tampa Bay is the champion, but Tampa Bay and and Green Bay are the NFC teams, and in the AFC, and particularly after seeing the Patriots, who I thought were very much on the upswing before the last two weeks, but in the AFC, clearly the Chiefs, who blew out Pittsburgh, and the Colts, uh, who won on the road at Arizona last night, and I'm not sure how great Arizona is, but... I love the Colts. Um, and also missing a bunch of guys with COVID last night, still were able to pull off the win. They're a very hot team. So I've got Green Bay and Tampa Bay in the NFC, the Colts, and uh, Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC. What are your thoughts on your uh, your best teams and who you think is going to contend for the Super Bowl this year?
1: I, I can't disagree on the NFC. Uh, I think the Packers in Tampa would be a phenomenal championship game. AFC, I think, is more... There's a few other teams. I think New England's got a good team. I think New England still could sneak in there. Nice. Buffalo, you know, you know Buffalo, I think Buffalo and New England just played each other, and I think Buffalo beat them. Uh, yeah, I think Buffalo, there's a few teams that could sneak in there. I think Pittsburgh, obviously, is done. Uh, you know, you can't throw Kansas City out of there, that's for sure. Well, so okay. it'll be interesting. I, I think, yeah, I definitely think the AFC is more of a toss-up. The NFC is more of, uh, I think you're going to see the Packers and, and Tampa in that championship game.
0: Well, you say the AFC is more of a toss-up, but the Chiefs have now won seven in a row, and you know at least five of those games were amazingly on the back of their defense. And if you look at it now, their offense was clicking today. Mahomes had a really good game today. Well, I think I think
1: what I meant was it's more of a toss-up as to who Kansas City is going to play. Yeah, yeah, is what I should have said.
0: Yeah, I. I For whatever reason, I'm watching that Hard Knocks show on HBO, and I don't know if you're watching that Hard Knocks in season, so I've become very fixated on the Colts, a really good team, really likable team, have a lot of things going for them, and they're hot. To me, the Ravens are now garbage. Um, The Chargers look terrible today. Forget about the Raiders. And, you know, you look at the other teams in the NFC, I mean, I know that the uh, San Francisco has been playing a little better. Phillies won a couple of games. Um, Arizona's on the downswing. The Rams lost again today. Dallas, I I'm just not sure. I mean they they won, but I, I don't know. I just am not sure offensively that they've got what it takes to compete with Tampa Bay or Green Bay. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that uh, progresses. So Phil, I have a cigar update that I want to give you. I want to tell you about a, a story that's going on in the cigar world. New Zealand is about to create a lifetime ban on tobacco for most of its population. So New Zealand, by 2025 is going to ban sales of all tobacco. So what that means is that if you're a smoker in New Zealand, that you better get your last cigar in over the next three years or so, because after 2025, you will not be able to purchase tobacco. You will not be able to smoke tobacco. Tobacco will be an illegal substance in the entire country. New Zealand is attempting to be the healthiest country in the world. So how do you feel about cigar smoking in, uh, in New Zealand? Well, you know, I
1: haven't been to New Zealand, so I don't know how the cigar smoking scene is in New Zealand. But, you know, I guess smoking and cigars isn't quite as unhealthy as smoking and cigarettes are. But I'd hate to see there the you band. Go. <laughs>
0: Always comparing it to, to the worst possible thing. You know, it's like, hey, I had a heart attack, but it's not as bad as stage four cancer. <laughs>
1: but uh I, I don't know it's you know how do you say being and smoking is ever bad, I guess, but uh, certainly our cigar habit that, that, that we have and uh, that we uh, live by and that we created this podcast by is certainly had something I'd hate to see go away it's uh, It's a big part of my life through the either the smoking or the cigars or the friendships I have through it, so I'd hate to see it leave
0: well. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Uh, I tend to be for more health regulation, but I think banning all tobacco use, including cigars, probably not a uh, good idea. And that's going to be our cigar update, being that we are in our holiday editions of Cigars and Sports Chicago. We're not going to be having any guests. Uh, We will be back uh, once we get to the first week in January with uh, cigar guests, and we'll talk about a, a variety of cigars. But, Phil, you know, we had to go to Bears postgame first based on Um, the uh, absolutely amazing win to bring us to our stellar record of 5-10 and today. But I want to cover our Bizarre Story of the Week. And this week's Bizarre Story of the Week actually occurred last August, but it got even more bizarre when Ohio Governor Mike DeWine called for a full legal investigation related to a high school program that is actually not a high school called Bishop Sycamore. Let me take you through that real quick. There was a high school football game played in uh, June of, of 2021, which was IMG Academy, which is a high profile national high school prep football program. And they played of all things on national TV, a supposed Ohio based high school that was apparently accredited but not really called bishop sycamore the game img and bishop sycamore was on espn the game was 58 to nothing it was 30 to nothing after the first quarter and even though the game was on espn the espn broadcasters just started ripping this uh this bishop sycamore team and started doing a bit of a deep dive on the internet during the game trying to get some stats on these guys and finding out about the school etc because they don't do the same background that maybe they would normally do for a college game or an NFL game, and nobody had really heard much about this team. Well, what they found out later was that this Bishop Sycamore place was not even a high school. It was a bunch of guys that were put together for revenue purposes. They went out and somehow were able to, they got some accreditation as a high school, even though there wasn't a school. And they were able to get a full schedule of these national programs where nobody had heard of them locally. So they were flying around the country, getting paid, got paid big money for an ESPN game. And by the way, they didn't score a point in any of their games. In this particular game, they lost 58 to to nothing. And now Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio, has decided there is to be a full legal investigation of how this happened and holding people accountable who were behind this Bishop Sycamore non-high school program. That is definitely a qualifier for the bizarre story of the week. Thoughts? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I saw the same story. I thought it was incredible how these guys pulled this off, but you're right. They created a fake school and Basically a fake sports program. Uh, It looks like to profit themselves, it'll be interesting how much more of a deep dive they do because, like you said, ESPN paid quite a bit of money uh, to the school to put them on this game. And, uh, like you said, it was all false. You wonder if there'll be uh, any kind of criminal investigation to these guys, but it's interesting how they pulled it off to that level. And, like you said, ESPN was certainly duped by not doing... You know a background check on this?
0: Yes, and ESPN apologized. I, but I mean, what a joke! Of course, it was such a joke that I went back and tried to find the game um, on YouTube TV on YouTube today to see if I could uh, to wa- watch it and see how bad the team looked. But I guess hey, give them credit—they were able to uh, pull off the the scam. But uh, it was definitely a scam. So now that we've covered our bizarre story of the week. Just a quick one on the Bulls. Um, The Bulls, once again, have not played in five days. They won those two games coming off of their COVID break. They're actually playing Indiana right now. They're in the the first quarter. And, you know, the funny thing is they get their whole team back from COVID. And now Billy Donovan, the coach, goes on the COVID list. So he's going to be out for the next 10 days. And Lonzo Ball, who was the one guy in the rotation who had not had COVID tested positive, Positive today so now we're going to be without him for the next 10 days so I guess one thing you can say about the Bulls is that they're going to have supreme herd immunity to any team in the NBA but things are looking really good for the Bulls still second in the east looking like a lot of good stuff going on very excited to talk about them going forward and we're gonna have a lot of time to talk about them um, when the uh, bear season wraps up here in a couple of weeks and we get into the NFL playoffs and then beyond that particularly because let me now give you our Chicago baseball update. Okay, here it is. Listen carefully. That was it. That was the update. Dead air. Baseball is uh, in their lockout. It probably will not be solved until, I'm going to guess, uh, mid-February, so uh, get ready for nothing in baseball and get ready for every remaining free agent to sign in about a 72-hour period whenever they do come back. Those guys are complete idiots, so that, that's we're not talking about baseball until it actually exists. But, um, you know, again, going back to the Bulls, things are looking good, uh, but we're going to have to get by without Lonzo Ball for the next uh, four or five games. So,
1: And I, I think they'll survive without him, but they definitely got an exciting team this year. It's nice to see the Bulls back. It's a basketball city. And it's great to see the Bulls put a little excitement in the winter time here in Chicago. The Blackhawks certainly aren't going to do it for a while, so it's nice to see the Bulls where they're at.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited once we get to February and March. I want to see uh, how many bandwagon jumpers we get on with the Bulls. And I have no problem with bandwagon jumpers because when the team stinks, they stink, and not everyone wants to follow it. Um, so it will be interesting to see how that goes. Um, when, you know, as we get a little bit further down the road, we're about a third of the way through the season. Once we get two thirds of the way through the season, and if they're still, you know, in the top one, two, three spots in the East, it's going to get really exciting. So, Phil. I think that's going to pretty much put a wrap on uh, episode 5 of Cigars and Sports Chicago special day after Christmas holiday Bears post game edition. It's been great talking to you today.
1: Great. Happy New Year to everybody if we don't squeeze one in before that, which I don't think we will but uh, Happy New Year to everybody.
0: Yep. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, Happy New Year to our producer Bear doing a great job as always and we will talk to you next time on Cigars and Sports Chicago. Thanks, everybody. On, under the willow, we can have high times if you look back. We can discover the wonders of nature. growing in
1: the rushes down by.